7.43, and as uncertainties continue to mount with the US-China trade dispute taking a toll on the Chinese economy, the country's growth rate hit a record low in nearly three decades, as reported on Monday, confirming a slowdown in the world's second largest economy that could threaten global growth. So have we gone from Deng Xiaoping's economic reform and fast growth track to a new era now? Professor Yang Jun-sok from the Department of Economics at Catholic University of Korea joins us on the line. Good to have you here. Good morning. And this was from China itself, the figure of 6.6% growth in 2018. Does that suggest the the real figure might have been even lower than that, or, or can we trust that? Uh, it's probably lower than that, but uh, uh, you have to remember, uh, Chinese uh, figures are probably, cons- uh, if they're not completely accurate, they're probably consistent. So uh, it's not completely random number they're pulling out of a hat. Uh, they're probably uh, 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 overestimated by a certain amount. So uh, while it might not be completely accurate, it'll probably be accurate in giving you kind of trends. And uh, there's other evidence that seems to indicate that there is uh, actual slowdown as well, not just the GDP figures, but things like uh, their uh, export figures, which are more accurate, and things like uh, the use of electricity. You know, it's hard to have too much sympathy for China, given the way the country uh, was happy to inflict a lot of economic pain on South Korea over the third dispute. But the thing is also that we are all hurt, aren't we, when China's economy slows down? Yeah, uh, the uh, 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 Korea's exports are about 48% of uh, GDP. And uh, out of that 48%, about a quarter of it goes to China. So overall, uh, Korea's uh, uh, exports to China accounts for about 9% of the GDP, uh, Korea's GDP. So obviously, uh, if uh, China slows down and the uh, export demand in China, uh, import demand for Korean goods uh, slows, uh, then that'll have a considerable effect on Korean economy. Maybe we can revisit the Korean impact a bit further. But for now, the finance ministry in China has suggested that uh, it will step up government spending this year to support the economy. I'm just looking at a Forbes article that says, despite that measure, according to analysts from uh, Nomura Securities, the worst is yet to come for the Chinese economy. What's your view on that? Okay, well, some of the slowdown is part of the uh, natural long uh, long run uh, trends that you see in development. Uh, whenever you uh, Korea is uh, representative of this as well. Uh, during the early part of Korea's uh, development, we had nine. Uh, 10% growth, uh, but as countries grow larger, they naturally slow down. Uh, that's because you run out of things like uh, free resources or uh, you run out of things like low-cost labor. Uh, so uh, the growth rate does naturally tend to uh, slow down. But in addition, China has a, a major problem in their financial market, which they've been trying to deal with for quite some time. Uh, they have a very large uh, the debt load, uh, the state-owned enterprises especially, uh, and then they have problems with their secondary financial sector, uh, where the uh, 
secondary financial institutions would borrow from banks and then lend to uh, some companies, which sometimes have questionable credit worthiness. Uh, so they, uh, they, uh, Problems the financial market has been known for a while. Uh, China has been committed to dealing with it, and they've actually wanted to deal with it this year. Uh, but then comes the third problem that uh, everybody knows about, which is the U.S.-China trade war. Uh, so because of that, uh, they've uh, instead of dealing with uh, the debt load, now they're. Uh, having a looser monetary policy as well as uh, expansionary fiscal policy. Uh, but it's questionable whether all that uh, fiscal and finan- uh, fiscal and uh, monetary policy will be enough to offset uh, the uh, trade war effect, the financial uh, market weakness, as well as the long-term trend. We've seen these whole range of factors from slowing retail and auto sales to to other indicators. But how much of that has been encouraged by the trade war and, and how much of it would have just taken place anyway and, and that perhaps uh, this trade war with the U.S. Is, is just sharpening it a little? Okay, well, the, uh, there's a lot of controversy over that. My personal opinion, though, uh, is that it's mostly long-term trend and financial market problems and uh, which is topped off by the trade war. The reason I tend to think that is that if you look at the uh, GDP figures for China, uh, then exports are only about 20% of the GDP, and then uh, the uh, exports to the United States are only about 20% of the uh, exports. So uh, put that together, uh, the exports to the United States are maybe about 4% of the GDP, uh, which is a large figure, but uh, there's uh, 96% uh, that has nothing to do, uh, 96% of GDP, which has very little to do with the trade war. Now, the trade war is making uh, people more nervous, so that's probably uh, reducing consumption, uh, but uh, the larger I think the larger uh, problem is the long-term trend, uh, especially since the uh, non-export component of China uh, is about 80% of their GDP. Coming back to South Korea, we recorded our slowest growth in six years, but it's certainly a global trend. How much are we also being directly affected by China as a kind of ratio to that global impact? Okay, well... uh, uh, for Korea's exports, about 25% uh, is exports to China, and about uh, of that export, about 75% is intermediate parts. Uh, so uh, more than uh, it's in the, uh, more than the figures indicate, uh, the Korean exports do depend on Chinese exports as well, because uh, a lot of the Chinese exports are are using Korean parts. Uh, but as I said before, uh, if you look at the uh, numbers from China, uh, the exports to the United States take only about 4% of the GDP. Uh, there's a uh, large uh, chi- uh, China domestic use component as well. Uh, so uh, perhaps uh, Korea's fear of U.S.-China's, uh, U.S.-China trade war is a bit overblown, but still, uh, 
it does it will have quite an effect on Korean economy, perhaps not as uh, much as we fear, but they will definitely have an effect. Having said that, though, uh, as I mentioned before, 80% of China's uh, economy is domestic, uh, and uh, 80% of China's exports do not go to United States, they go elsewhere. So there is room for Korea, uh, there is room for Korea to maneuver, there is room for China to maneuver. Uh, so uh, it'll probably not uh, be as worse as uh, Korean, a lot of Korean analysts fear, uh, but still, uh, it will have some effect. Well, that's encouraging to hear because there are valid concerns, it would seem, that s- several countries are potentially going to tip into a recession at some point in the next two to three years. Is that an overly pessimistic view in your opinion? I don't think it's overly pessimistic. Uh, it does depend on the uh, sort of definition of a recession. We're definitely going to have a slowdown. Uh, the uh, IMF has uh, reduced the uh, uh, growth estimate for the uh, world as well as most advanced countries twice uh, already since the uh, second half of last year. Uh, so there, uh, I think we are right to be worried about slowdown. There's a lot, a lot of the variables are not looking good. Uh, having said that, though, uh, in advanced countries, at least, when, what you mean by recession is goes into negative growth. Uh, and uh, I don't think even the IMF is estimating negative growth for these ne- uh, major countries yet. So uh, we will have a slowdown. Uh, we will go back to sort of the sluggish economy that we've seen uh, post-global financial crisis in 2008. Uh, but... Uh, I'm not. Sh- I don't think we'll go back to the worst kind of uh, uh, position where um, advanced countries are experiencing negative growth, but we will definitely have a slower growth. Indeed, um, when we um, look at the, the slowdown in the Chinese economy, um, the pressure on Beijing to settle the tariff war in this ongoing deadlock with Washington, and we hear mixed signals from the US on that trade war, whether it's got this huge impact that some suggest or not. Do you see a breakthrough there anytime soon? Well, I do see a breakdown. But uh, if you look at the negotiating positions, there's been a very interesting change in dynamics. Uh, If you remember last year, uh, President Trump was very gung-ho about how they can pressure China and how China's uh, economic numbers uh, show that they're experiencing a slowdown. So uh, it's, it'll be China, which will be desperate to end the uh, trade war. Uh, now, some of the dynamics has changed this year because the U.S. growth uh, is slowing down. And uh, we had a lot of volatility in the U.S. stock market as well as the global stock market. Uh, and some people are uh, estimating that perhaps U.S. will go into recession in 2020, though not the IMF. Uh, so uh, it, President Trump's position has weakened a lot, uh, while the Chinese position hasn't really changed that much. So now, relatively speaking, uh, it's the United States, which have become more and more desperate for a solution, I think. There has been a lot of uh, newspaper articles saying that it is now President Trump who wants to settle on a solution agreement with China as soon as possible. And it is USTI Lighthizer, as well as his trade advisor, Navarro, who's trying to keep uh, President Trump from uh, capitulating 
and trying to maintain the hard line of the United States. By the way, a topic we're going to be picking up in the next half hour, how strange is it to you, or how harmful is it to you, Ethan, that you've got these two leaders, U.S. President Donald Trump and Chinese President Xi Jinping, skipping the World Economic Forum in Davos when we're seeing other leaders like Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe step up there and, and call for trade improvements and so on? Well, in, uh, in, uh, for President Trump, I think if he went to Davos, then uh, it would really hurt his image as well as the, uh, uh, his negotiating position a lot, not only for the uh, U.S.-China trade war, but also for uh, domestic issues in the United States like government shutdown. So it would not be seen, uh, it would not uh, help him if he went to Davos. Uh, now, just in terms of U.S.-China trade war, it'll probably extend the problem because uh, if you remember uh, last year or the uh, President Trump's first year on the jo- uh, job, uh, whenever President Trump met with uh, uh, President Xi, uh, things moved forward a lot. Uh, so in t- just in terms of the U.S.-China uh, trade war, uh, it pr- may have extended the problem uh, but uh, in terms of uh, President Trump's political position, he really could, uh, was not in a position to go to Davos. And perhaps this will give time for uh, trade technocrats to uh, uh, establish some kind of a foundation for the negotiation rather than uh, President Trump and uh, President Xi doing it from the top. Mm. Uh, but still, uh, I think uh, it probably, just in terms of the U.S., uh, China trade war, it did extend the problem a bit. But really, President Trump was in no position to go. Thank you, Professor Young. Good to have you with us. Thank you. And if you're interested in those developments in Davos and the absence of those two major leaders, maybe you'd like to have your say before our next interview on that subject. Powder Sharp 1013 for 51 per message. First, BBC World News.